2: Pack your bags and get ready for a different kind of Vegas experience with someone who knows Vegas inside and out. You're listening to Vegas Never Sleeps
1: with Stephen Maggi. Live from the Vegas Strip, welcome to Vegas Never Sleeps. I'm Stephen Maggi. This weekend marked the end of the National Football League regular season with the Las Vegas Raiders not moving on to the playoffs In fact, it's been a while since the Raiders have been a contender in the AFC Western Division, but back in the team's glory days, the Raiders were always one of the best teams in all of football, and their biggest rival was always the Kansas City Chiefs. Get ready for an incredible journey back to the golden days of football, when the Raiders and the Chiefs played in some of the most hard-fought and exciting games in history. This conversation will be different than most you hear couple of old friends, chat about their perspectives in the series, and nothing is off limits. They're both Hall of Famers, fierce rivals, and good friends. Join us now as Fred Bolitnikoff, former wide receiver for the Oakland Raiders, and Willie Lanier, linebacker from the Kansas City Chiefs, talk football, along with Upton Bell, Former scout for the Baltimore Colts and me, who grew up as a Raiders season ticket holder and saw a lot of the games between these two powerhouses. Nation. Let's
3: go. Let's go. I was at the Colts when we failed to draft you, and and uh, it's, ha, uh, ha. I used to go
2: over
3: to <laughs> Earl, Earl Banks. I used to go over to Earl Banks and Earl Banks would say, "That goddamn Schuler, that <laughs> you go back and tell him he hasn't drafted one of my players, Leroy Kelly." Wooly Lanier and then of course later Raymond Chester and every time I saw him he stopped putting on the film up in, he said you screwed up you missed Wooly Lanier and I tried to explain to him you know, a coach, uh, you know uh, I asked I talked to Shula about this and and he said what position does he play and I, I said well he plays offensive guard but he's projected as a linebacker and, and Shula said how big is he and I said he, he's six one, maybe six feet two so and so. He said, Well, there, I don't think you can play here. And of course I would remind him every
0: year after that
2: as you would say. Bonacani. that's
0: that's that's <laughs> that's wonderful to hear on this phone because I know of you and your father, but I didn't know mm-hmm. I didn't think I knew you, but to hear you share that story is fascinating because what I can tell you all, which is interesting Coach Banks had a great relationship with the Baltimore coach because of Buddy Young, all right? And with him knowing Buddy Young and being in Baltimore, and because at that time, Fred, and I'll say it like this, I struck people more with my head before I had to make the change in Kansas City because the guys get bigger, and that shit gets real stupid, all right?
1: So before our season
0: in my junior year, I break my helmet uh, maybe a week before the season starts. So it's too late to order one. Banks calls over to the coast equipment manager and asks if they had a helmet that I may be able to use and uh, see what they would say. They said, yes, we have a helmet. You can use it, but you can't paint it. So Morgan State's colors was a blue helmet with an orange stripe down the middle. There was some guy playing middle linebacker in my junior year who had on a Baltimore Colt helmet for the whole season. And that's wow. how Black <laughs> ties that piece together. But Fred, I'll share this with you, add to the story. So what happens is that there was a draft that year, a dispersal draft, because the New Orleans Saints was coming into the league that next year in 1967. So uh-huh. the Baltimore Colts yep. had all three of their backup linebackers go to the New Orleans Saints in that dispersal mm-hmm. draft. So reasonably, I thought, huh, there's a chance since so all their linebackers are gone that they might look down the street and go, Well damn that's some guy that's about damn, he's about six one, he's about two forty five. He can kind of strike people. Whatever. I mean, but it's all interesting yeah. history. So great to hear you on line up and so <laughs> Well let, let me tell
3: you let let me tell you the rest of the story. So that was the first year that, that I became personnel director and and I had looked at all of the top players in the country. And, and basically, what happened was, is Shula said to me, I had gone to the Notre Dame Michigan State game where, where they had you know, six of the 10 players were taken in the first round. I had fallen in love with George Webster. I thought he, by far, was, was the, the best college linebacker I had seen in years. And all due respect, You, Willie. And so Shula said to me, Shula said to me, me, Well, he said, "Uh, we're going to go to Michigan State. And and he said he made a deal with New Orleans uh, to get their first choice for Gary Klausen, who was a backup to United. And he said, I really like Bubba Smith. And I, I said, Listen, let me tell you something. Webster is a killer. Bubba Smith is full of shit. I said, I, he, 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 I said he will give you he will give you three plays and then take the next game off. You know, he just he, he was a great pass rusher, but basically Webster was a guy that I really liked. And in the end, I got overruled. What's understandable? He's he's a head coach, but the same way with you, and there were were other players, and that, to me, was the big difference between the two leagues. I I could see the change coming uh, where the AFL was going to be taking players that the NFL, which was much more conservative league, wasn't, but I said to you, I said, I'm going to tell you something. The game is changing, and the league is changing. And, of course, your two teams were a perfect example of a great players like you two. I mean, it's there's so many if stories in drafting players, and I will tell you this, so I learned uh, before I became a general manager and really screwed it up is that basically, they can have all the computers they want, the IQ test, everything else like that. It's still the great guessing game.
2: Oh, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. absolutely. You know, you, you, can't, you can't, number one, you can't measure heart. Yes. That, that's That's the no, one thing you can't right. measure. You know, and you can't measure you can't measure a competitor, and you can't measure you can't measure something that's inside of a, a players that really want to win
0: but at the same time it's interesting that if 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 at times if some of the individuals in the game would have taken a little time to talk to me, they would have understand they would have understood why I was going to be different, but they didn't want to take the time to talk they wanted to send a scout the time you're in a 40, and have someone jump up right. and down, and go through something like uh, Indianapolis, which I wouldn't have done any of that. So as a yeah. point of reference, I had gone to college and gotten my degree. I did a senior class paper on the monopolistic mm-hmm. aspects of pro football. Emmanuel Seller, chairman of the House Ways and Means Committee, was trying to filibuster the fact that they needed a Sherman Antitrust exemption. All right? That's who I was. So the scouts came to Morgan and asked me to run, and I refused. Not to be yeah. obstinate, but I said, I didn't come to college for you. I came to get my degree. If you want to watch the film or the game, watch it. I'm not running for anybody. So it was interesting, <laughs> Fred. That was the deal, yeah. Fred. So, so it was no, interesting really? how this, this shift started in my being trying to say, I'm, I, re, I respect you, but I didn't come for you. Because yeah. in my view, the game was not a complex thing. So I didn't understand yeah. how people could take all that damn time trying to act like it's complex. When it's a, a yeah. rote and repetitive thing, if I have to tell you the same thing next day, I don't want you on my team. Because something's wrong with your ass. Yeah. That's what i thought. But But go yeah, ahead. See, so, see,
2: see Al, Al didn't even want me to run. We ran the 50 then. Al didn't even want me to run the 50. So I never had to get a time. <laughs> <laughs>
0: okay, so, right. Because no, it has nothing to do with
2: no, how exactly. you maneuver
0: to yeah. create movement and create separation. You know. So all yeah. of it was just so. So
2: flawed. Yeah.
1: But
0: I'm going to tell you all a quick story. This is something that's about race in America today as well as yesterday, 50 years ago. And Buddy Young was the first black executive in the NFL, and Upton knew him at that time. And he and my yep. college yep. coach attended high school together in Chicago. So Buddy went to New York 1966, first black executive. He figured the league was a little racist because he knew who they were, and that possibly the Chiefs would know. Or well, they thought that we wouldn't know what Jim Lynch signed for, but Jim Lynch was a four days player drafted. I was the 50th player drafted in this country. The Chiefs had two second round draft choices. Jim and I became great friends, became roommates for eight years while we were in Kansas City. So what happened is that Jim signed within a week or 10 days after the draft. Buddy Young pulled his contract, told my coach, Earl Banks, who told me that Jim Lynch, four days player drafted in the NFL that year, signed for a $40,000 bonus. And a three-year contract at 202020. minimum contracts that year was 14. So what occurred was that the Chiefs sent a, a, a black scout named Lloyd Wells to come I see know, me.: Lloyd. And yep. it wasn't for yep. him to tell me about the off-season programs, Fred. It was to try to get me cheap. But what he didn't know, Fred, yep. is who I was, because he yeah. would take a little time to find who I was. I, I don't think he would have done that, Fred, because he had to understand this is a different guy. All right, so, so what happened is that it was forty thousand dollars on a three-year contract, twenty twenty twenty. We knew the numbers. He didn't know we knew the numbers. So then he came to Morgan on their campus and started talking money and said to me that they were interested in giving me a bonus of two thousand five hundred dollars <laughs> and a three and contract Let me get and a three-year contract of fourteen, fifteen, sixteen, fourteen was a minimum for anybody. All right. <laughs> And then since this is being taped, he can blank this out, but I'm going to say the words because it's an effect that you men in football need to hear. He then looked at me on Morgan State's camp and said, if you don't take what we're offering, you can take your to Canada to play football. (laughs)
2: <laughs> that Fred, that was my interesting. I'm, I'm not I'm not la- I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing because of the situation. Yeah. Yeah, I know crazy. I know Fred but 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 Fred, yeah that's
0: what happened. So if I were not yeah. my dignified self, I'd have knocked him out. But I told him no one yeah. speaks to me that way. Three things will happen. I would not go to Canada, you need to go back to Canada and tell them to send the wrong side to see me and I will sue you all. <laughs> Mm-hmm. So, I called a coach at the Kansas City Chiefs the next day. His name is Hank Stram. And so, let me explain something to you. Yeah. I'm a graduating senior at Morgan State College. If you think you can send someone from your organization to disrespect me, you're wrong. The draft that you all had means nothing to me. The only thing important to me is to graduate from this college. I might have ever come to Kansas City. I might have ever play pro football. You will not disrespect me. I hung the phone about it. That's how yeah. I started.
2: Upton, yeah. did, you, did you know something yeah. when you came down to Florida State? Did you, and and I I I was sitting around with a couple of our players from, you know, a few years ago, and we were talking about the colleges and everything. I said, "Do you realize that there wasn't a black a black player all the four years I played at Florida State on a team?"
3: I you, you know it's interesting. One of the things I was going to discuss with both of you, and, and I wrote a book uh, on on. My father invented the pro football draft. Burt Bell was the one that actually saved the NFL in 1935 because he saw most of the teams, including his, was going to go out of business and proposed to the NFL uh, that you have a player draft. Uh, At that time, not to be restrictive, which is what's happened over a period of time, but because if, if there was no player draft, there wasn't going to be a league. Because the only teams that ever won were the Bears and the Giants.
1: You're right. So yeah. Basically, I, right.
3: I I actually grew up. Uh, the, the both of you, I wanted you to know I grew up living in the same house with thirty three football players as a child <laughs> to survive. My father played hey. the Eagles.
2: Yeah. I, yeah. I see, like with me when I got point. when I got drafted, you know, by by the Raiders in Detroit. You know, I didn't, want to, I, I didn't want to go to Detroit, you know, because I, 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 I from school, out of high school, I was, went to Florida State as a running back. I played receiver in, in high school. Then I changed over to wide receiver after my freshman year. And then when Detroit drafted me, they drafted me wide receiver, but then I looked at this. Do I want to go to Detroit where it's, you know, an established team, or do I want to go with the new league? we're they're throwing the ball 50 times a game, 40 50 times a game. And that's and that's that's what the decision I made going out to Oakland. You know, was that yeah. Scotty Sterling who was with us yeah. were the two that were, you know, I was I was talking to the whole time.
1: Well, when you met Davis, did you think wow, did I make a mistake or did you like him because he's a different type? What were your thoughts when you first met him?
2: I liked him. I liked him. He, he was he was like my father. <laughs> I I liked him. You know, I mean, you know, it was it was it was just it was either you're gonna play, and this is the way we do it, and this is what 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 we need from you, and that's it, and that's it, you know. And with me and Willie, and Willie knows me. You know, I'm going, hell, I'm going out to California. <laughs> you know, I went from Erie, Pennsylvania, down to Florida State, okay, and then all of a sudden I said, hell, I'm going out west, heck with it. You know, right. I liked it there, I liked it down in Florida, and I said, hell, I'm going to California with Al. I mean, everybody at home was all pissed off at me, you know, for going and signing with the Raiders instead of signing with Detroit, you know. And I said, the heck with it. And that's basically the decision how I made it. You know, I wanted to go with Al. I like the attraction of, you know, you're going with a an underdog, basically league, a team, and like when I got to Oakland, I mean, we had a ton of guys there that NFL teams had let go, you know. So you, you, I was just a young kid in 1965, and all these guys had already played a number of years in the in the NFL, the old league, or not the old league, but the established league, and. I learned a lot from those guys, and the one thing you learned thing, being and one thing you would, and one thing you would not have learned going to Detroit, was what it would have no, felt like in a championship. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I know. But the one thing, the one thing I learned is, I know the one thing I learned though is that you know what these guys were all tough.
1: Yeah. You know yeah.
2: they were tough, and that's how they played football. And that's one of the things, that's one of the learning experiences I had. You know, the a great teacher for me who was with you guys for a bit was Billy Cannon. You yep. know?
0: Yep. And yep. Billy,
2: Billy kinda of Billy and Cotton Davidson took me under their wing, you know, yep. and uh we I went through a lot of things when I first started, you know, with injuries and all that stuff, but those two guys really stood be you know behind me. And and to Billy, let me tell you something, Willie, the other thing is uh when uh, Billy would tell me this, okay, when playing with you against you guys like this, he said, Freddie, just remember, that guy in the middle, 63, and there's a guy behind him back there, Johnny Robinson, watch out for those two. <laughs> <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> he would always tell me that every, every time. <laughs> and just to make – I want to tell this story, Willie, and you, we always laugh about it when I see you, but, but I was running a crossing route in Oakland one time, going across the field, and, man, I thought I was wide open. The ball was coming. It was whack. And guess who hit me? I had no idea where the hell he came from, but Willie. Broke my nose, everything, did the whole thing. I still can't breathe out of one side of my nostril to this day. All right? But anyway, that, that was the toughness. That was the, I don't know, if you if you don't think that there's great players out there, but that's what great players do. They make great plays. And that's what happened, you know. And all of a sudden you say, whoa, wait a minute. Now, you know, now I have a new understanding about this guy, you know, who's playing out yes, there.
0: And, and I'll tell the other side of that story, and I told John Madden this. What happened is that the Oakland Raiders had the best damn offensive line in pro football because they had four guys in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. You only got five linemen. They had four of us in the <laughs> Hall of Fame, all right. It's a third, it's a third and one. Stable is the quarterback. Hubbard is the fullback. I got the cannon cup in front of me, and I think they're just going to line up, slam the ball into the line, see mano or mano who can make the yard or not. But then John, for whatever reason, calls a play action, deep middle, and I know where the hole in the defense is because it's strong, the weak safety, strong. The safety, John, and Robinson's going to take the back in the flat. That means deep middle is open. So I immediately become pissed that y'all try to act like we don't know how to play. Is the way I think. <laughs> so so when I start down the middle of the field, I check the arc of the ball. And I had intent. I didn't know it was going to be Fred. But I had intent as I was running down the middle of the field. But the thing that also happened is that the way I played the game is that I wouldn't hit you if you didn't touch the ball. Because I only had five penalties in 11 years. So it was important to me and all that play I didn't take a penalty. So all of that, as the ball is coming down, I look to my left and I see Andy is running and up. I look to my right and I see number twenty-five coming to the middle of the field. <laughs> I check the, seriously, I check the arc of the ball coming down between us. And as Fred comes to it, as I come to it, and as I'm taking that last step, he is bending his head down to catch the ball, and I'm in a running motion, not throwing an elbow, but in a running motion. That running motion came up and struck his. Face mask and blew the whole damn thing up, and the network ran it over and over and over. And I apologized to Fred on the field. I apologized to him going into the locker room because I didn't intend for that thing to happen. So it was. And then I asked John Madden about it, and John told me, Willie, we were trying to show you all respect because he didn't think Hubbard could get the first down against Curly Buck and me. <laughs> I said, "Well, damn, John! I didn't have a chance to figure out all the rest of this." <laughs> of
2: well, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what you know, and you, you know, you obviously, you know, you're you're the leader of that defense, and that was the fantastic thing about it. But, you know, I mean, I, you know, I love playing against Emmett, you know, Jimmy my, with Thomas, uh, uh, Marcellus, you know, and you know, the games we played. Uh, I, I don't care what, how the season was going, what, who was in first, who was, whatever the records were, and all that stuff. Every game, which was be able to be, you know, something to be able to go and play against a team twice a year for your entire career, and every game is like a playoff game, no yeah. matter yeah. what. Yeah. And that was the great thing about playing. You know, it's uh, I love playing against, against Emmett but I, I'll tell you one thing, you know. Along with you and the rest of those guys on defense, they were fantastic. Ah, uh, Hall of Famers, obviously. Okay, but Jimmy Marcellus. You know, one thing I always stood my, my, you know, people, you know, Willie. People always ask you about guys you played against and all this and all that. Right. You right. know, when they ask about defensive backs, you know, I talk about other guys. But I'll tell you what, there's one guy that Jimmy Marcellus. You know what, Jimmy reminded me when when I came out there and had to line up against him. He was a middleweight fighter, all right? And I picture him, I go like this, I go, you know something? If I was in a ring with him and I saw him sitting on that stool and I was on the other corner, I don't think I'd want to go out in the middle of the ring with Jimmy Marcellus, all right? And when I saw him on a football field, I go, man, that guy is a fighter. And every game, well, you know, and every game was a battle.
1: I remember but, sitting in the third deck, you know? nineteen seventy, and I saw you throw the ball at Mar. You caught a touchdown over Marcellus, and you threw the ball at his feet, which you never did, you know. I, I, and I was going to ask you about that. That was one time where you really seemed pissed.
2: Well, I can remember, listen. I can remember there. There were times we both had success against each other. Believe me, all right. But there's one. There's one thing about it is that when you played against that entire Kansas City team. That's what you had a battle for. You know, you had a battle you had a battle for everything. I mean, you weren't just gonna go out there and run around and do what you wanted to do. You had a battle for everything from that line of scrimmage all the way up the field. Wherever you were going on the field you had a battle. That's that, that's what made those games so exciting. That's why that's why everybody to this day remembers those games. Yeah. You know, remembers those players. I mean it was fantastic. It really was. It was a great it was a fantastic era of football. You, you cannot beat that arrow football. You know,
3: well, you know what? One of the things I want to ask both of you, you guys, because in my opinion, um, being over in the NFL with the Colts, I remember how many times I said, "I, I, I'm this on the road with other scouts," uh, and and I knew Hank Stram pretty well, and I knew Al pretty well, and I said, "You know what? I think the AFL." is a better league than the NFL. And the people in the NFL will say to me, are, are you kidding me? I said, yeah. I said, they're the people with the new ideas, uh, the new players. They're a more exciting team. They throw the ball 40, 50 times a game. And, and we were three yards in a cloud of dust. But one of the things that, that I've always thought was, uh, and a friend of mine who written a book called the national forgotten league said when the NFL and the AFL merged, that was the end of football. But they, in my opinion, it should have remained the AFL and the NFL and not do what you have today. So I, I want to get both of your feeling on, on that great era, but the league itself, the difference in it between the AFL, your guys' league, and the NFL. I, I,
2: always, I always thought our, our, our league, the AFL, was exciting. I thought, I thought you, I felt this way. You saw athletes playing. You saw people that had an opportunity to, to if, you, if you wanted to have a team and say, okay, we're going to do this running, we're going to do this passing, we're just going to move the ball all over the field, defense, we're coming after you, playing man to man, we're going to blitz you, we're going to knock it out of you, everything. That's what you saw. You saw excitement you saw exciting games you you saw diff- you saw you saw players making plays you saw people making plays on offense defense special teams whatever it may be you saw plays being made that were exciting plays that people remember for for a lifetime it, it was it was amazing that period of time and you know it was it was a it was a, like i say it was a to me it was the greatest era of football
0: i think i think if it being that we were I was in Kansas City 67-70 to 70, before the merger went into effect. And with it being AFL-NFL, it was just like the conference that you played. And if I played at Stork and Black College, the CIAA, the MEAC, if we would come down to Florida to play Florida A&M and the Orange Blossom Classic, mm-hmm. we would be in our divisional league. They'd be in theirs. And you would feel the energy when you had a chance to play them, because they were the other guys. And being yeah. that they were the other guys, you would feel that you need to play it better. So I'll give you an example. We played uh, two games in Florida, Fred, Florida A&M, uh, with mm-hmm. what they had. And we down there my first year in uh, in at Morgan, and we go down to play Florida A&M, and Bob Hayes is on the team. So okay. Bob Hayes is on the team, men, but there was a guy on the team named Paramore who was faster than Bob Hayes in yeah. the 200, all
2: right? I remember so him. So you want,
0: you want your yeah. mind to go, oh, sh-. wait, wait, wait. You go, wait a minute. You're not, wait a minute. That guy named Bob Hayes who anchored that 4-by-100-whatever in 8-6, mm-hmm. I think that damn thing said, all right? There's a 5 on the team faster than him, and then you had the quarterback yeah. named Denson. He's supposed to ran a 9-6. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So, what, so what happened, Fred, is that during the game, they just kept running sweeps in the first half. And they kept running sweeps toward the, the, the corner until your ass was tired. That second half, they turned that <laughs> corner and they took your heart away. Okay, and that's the only way I'm gonna put it. All right, so so the talent that you would see and the, and the leagues that you played in allowed you to to prepare mentally uh, for the joy of the contest because it was gonna actually be there.
2: Yeah, 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 exactly, yeah, well, listen, Jake Gaither was great, I'll tell you what, he, 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 he put together football teams down there, I'll tell you what, well, you know, the guy, you know, like Bob Hayes, that's where I met Bob down there, for the first time, Ewer Dixon was going to school there, Carl Notes was, was going to school there, you know, and, and, uh, I, that's, that's the first time I ever got, had a chance to meet Willie Gallimore, when I was a freshman down there, Okay. you know? Yeah, and that and that's how that's how I got to meet all all those other guys, you know. And I so always remember a, you, were, you, with, know, you were Dixon. I, I
0: always remember Gallimore because my first year in Kansas City, he and another player were trying to get back to training camp. They had been out somewhere, and they were yeah. speeding trying to Kill. get back. They had a car accident wow. and, and killed and one of them.
2: Oh. Yep, and yep. and exactly. I always remember yeah. that
0: if I were away from training camp. I would never speed to get back, trying to get back just because of something yep. fine. So hell no, and I think just reflecting on that, you you need to talk to guys about c- common sense. And there's nothing that you should risk you for because it might be some or whatever. I just
2: throw that out because you mentioned Gallimore, and I remember that yeah. uh, being my. Well, shirt. no, no, you're right. no, you're right. I mean, you you know, you know, I I, you know, you know what what it's hard. Now, uh, for me, to, for me uh, now is you know uh, to get a grip on uh, what football is because the way everything has changed so much nowadays, with especially especially for the you know not because you're not because you're here with us Willie, but but the defense. I mean, I mean, how do you, I don't understand how defensive coaches teach this now at this period of time. In football, you know, hey, no. I mean, Fred. How, how they, do
0: you teach, they, Fred? But the coaches are not in the Pro Football Hall of Fame. All right, <laughs> <laughs> Fred. Listen, Fred. They're not in the Hall of Fame. Now listen, to what I'm going to say to you, say to you, Fred. What would happen is that Emmett was my right corner. All right. After every play, I would ask him, "What did his receiver run?
2: Uh-huh.
0: What did he run? What did he run?" Because I'm building a pitch count. All right. And I yep. know the routes. Because I would run as a receiver in practice so I could get my hands ready to intercept, Fred. Yep. All right? That's what I did then. Then watch while I'm going to tell yep. you something else. In my fifth, in my eighth year, I had attended an executive program at the University of Virginia, and I was looking to leave the game and go with this job, whatever. But being at the University of Virginia with about 45 other men with a course of study for six weeks before training camp started, These were long-distance runners. I was the only black guy there. They were long-distance runners, Mm marathons and all that kind of stuff. So I started going out with them at 5.30 in the morning and running distance. And I don't mean jogging distance, Fred. I'm talking about running distance. And I wasn't planning to do what I'm going to tell you. But what happened is that over that six weeks, lack of interval training method, I was able to get up to be able to run eight miles in an hour, Fred.
2: Yeah. Yeah, right.
0: I believe that. So so yeah. I not only could run eight miles in an hour, I would go down to the track for 440s, 220s, and 100s. So in my
1: mm-hmm.
0: ninth year, in a 14-game season, the ball's being thrown 16, 18 times a game. I had five interceptions. Wow.
2: Yeah. And it was yeah, because, because of, of running
0: the routes, understanding the tree, yeah. understanding <laughs> what the decision is going to be, not being a step and a half behind. Because if you watch the game this year, this season, you'll still notice guys are behind because they are trained to run the whole damn game.
2: And if no. you're not even,
0: you can't play.
2: You know what? I can remember, you know, I mean, they talk about now about, you know, eliminating these OTAs and all that stuff and all that junk, okay? Years ago, when we we would have maybe one get-together in the offseason. I would start my offseason program for myself in the 1st of April every year on April Fool's Day. And I would gradually build up with distance running all the way up until, and then when I went to training camp in July, I was ready to go. I was ready to shape other than getting beat around or whatever, the physical part of it, which you got used to pretty quick. Because when we went to training camp, you started right now. You started right now. So I built myself a nice off season program for all the years I played and I would stick to it every single year. And I would do everything. It's like you, you saying, you, you know, you would go and know the routes and everything. When I would work out, when I would finally get to the point in my workouts where I'm running routes, basically a half speed or whatever, just visualizing where the defense back was. If I had to avoid him in a cloud coverage or if he's bailing away from me or if he's off of me, if he's man-to-man, whatever it may be, and just do that visually. So I had an idea in my mind what a defensive back could do. And then I always, when I looked at film, I always broke down the field from, like, basically where you're at, the middle linebacker, to all the right-hand side. Okay, what did everybody on that side of the defense do? All right? And I would study that so I had an idea whatever, where everybody should be going, you know? And, that, and that's how I approached it all the time.
1: 1970 was interesting because you guys had a fight, the teams. Uh, that is the best football fight I've ever <laughs> yeah. seen on there. I want each of you to tell us about that because that was a real fight. I mean, that, that wasn't one of these things where a couple of guys break off to the side. Is,
2: is, that, is that the one in Municipal Stadium?
1: Yeah. <laughs> ben Davidson. Yeah. <laughs> yeah.
2: yeah. Where, both, where both teams are on the same side of the field. And Billy, Billy, Billy Cannon was with Kansas City at the time. And the fight breaks out out there, and everybody's kind of watching the sideline. Billy came up to me and says, "Just go back and sit down." <laughs> we went back and sat down on the bench and said, "Hell, no, let them fight, <laughs> you know, whatever." But Ben and all those Ben Davidson and all those guys were always starting something. You know, but the thing that, the something. Thing, the,
0: the thing that I did because this is the business side of me, all right. Uh, we were trying to win a division, and if you win a division, you got an extra check, because it was a playoff check, Fred. Is that right? That's right. Okay, yep. so yep. here we are playing the Raiders in Kansas City. All, everybody's on the same side of the field. Lynn Dawson has a third and 19. A third and 19 to get a first down. There's barely a little bit more than two minutes left in the game. He, if he gets the first down, we take a knee, run the clock out. We win the damn game. We win, we win the division because we would have won the game, all right? But what happens is that Dawson takes the ball on a naked bootleg to his right, goes down the field, stumbles, and gets the first down, but he's not been touched down. So Davidson comes over. Instead of just running by touching him down, Ben decides to dive into his back here at first and does a complete 360, all right? So Otis Taylor, the first one out toward Davidson, starts to swing his arms at Davidson. Gloucester Richardson is the next one out. Instead of pulling Otis away, he starts doing the same thing. I don't move off the damn sideline. I think you're a big bunch of dumb sons of bitches. I just want to win the <laughs> game, all right? So Jim Lynch, was as calm and normal as anybody you'd ever seen who played a game, he was my roommate and everything. But Jim Lynch lost it himself, ran onto the field, and huffed and puffed and swung at somebody. He comes back off the field. And I said, they're going to call offsetting penalties. They're going to put that ball back where Dawson started that damn play. (laughs) Oh, no, they're not going to do that? Bullshit. They're going to do it. And that's what they did. They called offsetting penalties, moved the ball back to where it was the third and 19. You're certainly not going to pick up another third and 19. So what happens? The ball is kicked to the Raiders. Blander kicks a 49-yard field goal. <laughs> ties the fucking game. We lose the division by that half game.
2: <laughs> by that game. 17-17. Yeah. That's it. We lost it. Yeah. But we lose, but
0: we lost the division
2: because it was a yeah. tie. Yeah.
0: So that's how we- I always remember the damn thing because I'm standing there thinking, I mean, let the officials officiate the damn thing. You can't hurt nobody anyway. Whatever.
2: So. <laughs> hey, hey, let me ask you this, Willie. Yeah. We- I, I don't know. Was every team with this uh, in, in, the, in the AFL when we had when we had when we got in the playoffs? Okay, did you guys we voted on shares of the playoff money? So if you played the full season, you got a hundred percent of that playoff money. If you played fifty percent of the season, you only got fifty percent of that check.
0: That's correct. Did you guys do that? we did the same thing. Yeah. yeah. They, they, they not not a lot of people sure. know they that. Do,
2: they yeah. tight
0: lines when it came to the money. Ooh.
2: <laughs> Boy, there are, some mad, there are some mad guys. There are some, there are some mad wives, too. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
3: <laughs> one, one, one question of, uh, about what has happened today and, and speaking about that game, which people still talk about today. I see it occasionally on the NFL Network or wherever it is. But, but the question of both of you, but starting with you, Willie, is to me what they have done to the game today, they want to open it up, it's big TV and all this, all the other things, is I think that they've totally penalized the defense in order to have an offensive game to show their product. I mean, it's bigger and bigger. But how the hell does anybody play defense today when basically you're, you're penalized because of the way they've changed the rules? You're feeling out of Willie first.
0: Well, the the game is a part of business, is a part of going from a shoulder-mounted camera and a satellite in 1962, which was ABC Wide World of Sports, after football season, to what it is today. You show whatever it is, whenever it is in all parts of the world. And you want excitement. So to have the... And I'll take boxing in this way: to have a heavyweight division where the games, where the fight starts, and then the guy's knocked out in the first round. Or oh, you don't, you can't sell that too long. You can sell it. The purists yep. might like it, but you don't. You need time for people to build up the energy and all that stuff. So, so with that, it becomes one of understanding why. But you can still have a situation where people get confused. And watch how I do this. I'm gonna talk about. The Kansas City Chiefs and the Tampa Bay team that they played. And uh, how, 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 how I view this, this game is this unfolding. And I thought the Chiefs were going to win. I'll say that because I watched some games. that They did not dominate the last half of the season. And everyone got excited because of Patrick and whatever. And you can throw the ball. But the thing that Fred knows that when a play is called, you need to run the play. And if it's 1,001, 1,002, before you get to three, the ball has to be released. And when Fred makes his cut inside or out, 1, 2, he expects a damn ball. Because if the ball isn't there, he doesn't know where to go. Because where do you go? It's not like you had 1, 2, 3 and you go the next route if you hadn't practiced it. So, so I'm at that game, and I see this game unfold. And I think the Chiefs are going to lose because I think Rod Gronkowski, and I said to some people, he's going to catch two touchdowns, I thought, in the first half specifically in the first half. And if he caught two in the first half, 14 points, Chiefs would not be able to account for it. it. I didn't think they wouldn't have a touchdown, but I thought they would lose. So when Gronkowski caught that second touchdown, I thought that was over. Because then what happened with Patrick, Patrick went one, two, three, didn't have anywhere to throw the ball, and then started running around behind the line of scrimmage. And as you run around behind the line of scrimmage, that's not a play. That's just yards. That mean nothing. So... Just throwing out how we played the game for its quality, we knew that if the Raiders came down, Fred's going to run that up at some point in the damn game. After I hit Fred, he wouldn't come back inside deep. I'd like to say (laughs) that against him, but Al wouldn't just throw the ball. You're not going to risk your guy. Seriously, it doesn't make sense. I mean, you don't expect somebody to act like they're a tough guy because the physics of the game is such that if I'm 245-250, if he is 190-200, you lose. If I'm playing against a 290-pound tackle, I know the physics are irrefutable. I lose. So everybody had to understand all of that stuff and just appreciate how the game could be played in a positive way. But points need to be a part of it until it gets to a point where people don't know how to play defense. And that's why I'm saying that coaching today, being a general manager today, my defensive backs and linebackers will have to be track stars. Because you're going to have to be able to run long to play on my team. Yeah. Because you're going to have to be even with the other guy, and you have to know the route so well in your mind that you're like a chess master. And then what you do, and this is what I did at times, I would just line up and I knew what route you guys were going to go. I know in that year, in in uh, in, in, in 75, I think it was, when I had those five interceptions, Chester ran a route. Uh, that was deep into the back of the end zone in Oakland, I went back and had a one-hand interception at the end line of the the end zone (laughs) just because of knowing the route. So what you don't see are guys doing that, because if you can't come and get ahead and have an idea of where the whole thing is going full, you can still play quality defense, and you can make the game even better, but you have to have people have good minds and understand how to present that. Yeah.
1: Do you think fundamental football is is part of that, Willie? Because I remember, you know, watching all those Raider chief games, and the one thing is people didn't make mistakes, like not knowing how many timeouts you have, knowing where the uh, sideline was. It just seemed like those type of, uh, you know, basic foundational skills were more appreciated. Nowadays, you see guys not knowing what down it is and so forth. Was was there more of a uh, kind of a – was that part of the practice uh, Part of this too, kind of. Well, our
0: our team, I guess I, I I had a lot to do with just how I would view our team, our defense, uh, reach toward quality where you could not have penalties take away from your game. So if you had a guy who had too many penalties, we have to, we tell the coach to get him off the field because he can't play with us. All right, because that that's something that could never happen. And then if it's on a third down, as an example, just like Kansas City had a chance to go to the Super Bowl in two nineteen and that was somebody who was offside on a play where the ball was going change possession. The reality was on third down, yeah. it's not a play that you make mm-hmm. as long as you don't have penalty. The ball's was going to change possession. So possession and, and penalties are what changes the game. So all of the rest of the stuff is okay, but if you have too many penalties, too many possessions that don't change, you don't win. So we didn't allow any of that. And it was constantly being discussed, especially from a defensive standpoint. The dialogue, the dialogue, first down, third down, second down, talking about what you have to do and what you cannot do, and to make sure everybody was constantly aware of it. So, it was. Oh, you know, I'll just even talk about number thirty-two in the game in Tampa. This is the one of the biggest game you're playing in your life. And near the end of the first half, you arguing with somebody, waving your finger in the quarterback's face, Fred. We would never yeah. see no shit like that, Fred. No, no, no. Fred Fred. Fred. What the fuck is wrong with you? <laughs> I mean the must be guys on your team. Have you lost your fucking mind? I mean, so so at times it's as if though television causes the guys to want to do something to act like there's some value outside of the clock hitting double triple zeros and you won the game. Yeah. Because the only yeah. time I thought you were supposed to show any emotion about the game is when it shows triple zeros and you won. The rest exactly. of it doesn't mean anything. Because if nope. I'm the owner, I'm going to find your ass like you can't believe. It. You jumping up and down and nope. in the middle of the game and you don't win it? Oh, hell yeah. no. I mean, but when nobody that, says yeah. anything. Go ahead, Fred.
2: Yeah. No, that's that's one thing I can't stand as a receiver. It, say the beginning of the ballgame, all right? A third down. A guy catches the ball, gets the first down. He's on his knee and points for the first down. Get your ass back yeah. in the huddle, man. You're just yeah. starting. Okay? And then later on when the game's going, going, you're behind ten points. Guy catches the third down, gets up, he points the first down. Get the hell back in the huddle and shut <laughs> up. You know? You're still behind. You're nowhere. and And you're right. I don't remember ever in my career any time in a ball game Even ahead, behind, you're on that sideline, happy as hell, and you clap it. You get ahead, oh yeah, boom, boom. Comes back to bite you in the ass all the time, you know. And with like defensive guys, they, they, I'll tell you what, I would love to see it go back to, to being a little bit more aggressive. Let these defensive backs be a little bit more aggressive, and be able to challenge. The one thing I always hated that I always understood when I first started you know, with the Raiders, is the fact that referees were supposed to be on the field but be almost like they're not on the field. They're just running the game. Now they're the focus of the game. And I don't agree with holding up a game. I, I'm, I'm in, I, Just how I would like to see it. Let those people that are on the field make the call, and that's as far as the call goes. No waiting. Let's check this out. Let's check this out. Let's check this out. All that stuff. No, let the referees run the game. That's it. And it's it's. They've
3: taken it, it away. It, they they. They've they've taken, taken it taken away from it them. It I mean, away. it's
2: like you you can you can put anybody out there as a referee nowadays. Anybody, because if you have a problem, you just go up to the booth. That's it. That's not their job. Do you, do their you job know, is to come and call. Do go you ahead. know
3: that Bill Belichick? Uh, guys, do you know that Bill Belichick at uh, one of the league meetings when they were discussing rule changes actually proposed that uh, you could call for a replay on any play, on any play in question? And I said, for Christ's sake, this is going to end up being a four-hour game. But yeah. that's where you are. Exactly. At. The, <laughs> the, the major calls are not even—they're they're not even there on the field up in the booth. They're called from a central place in New York, and I'm saying, uh, "What the hell has happened to the game? I mean, this is ridiculous." Yeah.
2: Yeah.
0: yeah but you look at high school and college; they don't have replays, do they? Yeah. No, college
2: the only not time they have back. any replays, I think, are 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 the hits. Whatever okay. they do, if a guy right. right. gets right. over aggressive right. on the hits, I think, and I may be wrong, I, I'm not I'm not sure, but I know that's one of them where they can get a replay back on. You know, but other than that, I don't know. High school, I know. No, no, I hope not. <laughs> these kids, these kids are getting spoiled as it is. First thing they do, you know what? The one thing that really makes me laugh is now is 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 seeing a receiver going down the field. He gets a little tangled up with the defensive back or whatever. Might not be able to get to the ball or whatever, whatever the situation might be at the end of the, at, down a, down down field, and he's looking for a call. All of a sudden, they look for a call. It's like. I don't ever remember. I don't know how many times I ever looked for a call. I'm like, what, what is this? I don't know. That's what these guys are used to now, I guess. And it's, it's everybody. It's crazy. And, every, you know, something. It, 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 it's, it's different now with, with everything with the defenses. I mean, the defenses are handcuffed now. I mean, my God. Willie, can, can you imagine going, going after a passer now from when you were playing? Jeez. You have to stop. <laughs> oh, yeah, I understand. I understand. Yeah, yeah, yeah. it's crazy.
0: Yeah,
2: but yeah. that's the way they made it.
0: What What about a question
3: that I've always had? Of course, I was brought up uh, with somebody like Janis, you guys, Lenny Dawson, uh, Lamontica, Arizley, with with you guys, and then Stabler. I I keep asking the, the question: Is um, why can't a quarterback? after a certain amount of years, be able to call his own plays? Why the hell are we hiring a coach for, for almost a million dollars to send in every play to a quarterback? <laughs> What's happened I, to the game? Well, right? I mean, am I wrong on that?
2: Well, I, I know for us, I, I know for us, even with, with, with Monica, with Stabler, even Blanda, they call their own plays all the time. Yeah, and I, I, would, and I would think the
0: same thing. It, it, it's, it's ridiculous because I think it the same way. if We talk about uh, coaches and all these coaches on a team and how many of them ever get to the Hall of Fame. So smart, how smart could they have been anyway? All right, so to have someone who isn't playing the game, not in the moment, on the sideline, scripting something and calling plays, if your quarterback can't do that, you shouldn't have him at quarterback.
2: No, dear, I agree 100% with that, Willie. I really, really do. You know, you got you got to give the you got to give the game to the guys that are on the field. Sure. You, that's what they're there for. You know? have with the you. Best feel. Yeah, I've the with Yeah,
1: so. Well, yeah. you think of both yeah. your Super Bowl wins, uh, when it was uh, Dawson leading the the team down uh, in uh, nineteen seventy, or then Stabler in seventy six, and it it picked up the the whole character. I mean, that just seems like it. it, it the person on the field is going to understand who's open. I mean, I, I, the stuff Willie's saying—you know—he knows what's what's coming or what have you. There's something to that, as opposed to everything being scripted ahead of time.
2: Well, I, I think you want to know the character of the team. I like with, with Willie with the Chiefs on offense, defense with the Raiders offense, defense. You knew the character of the team because the players were playing out there. And they were calling basically the plays on the offense and the play and the defenses on defense. Now, I don't know. Uh, I don't know how, or how many teams have that character. You know, I, I, I mean, think we, you, we, they, you, you create your own character.
3: Well, look, look, let, let's look at Tom Brady, uh, who people call the, the greatest of all time. I don't, by the way, uh, You know, I, I think he's a great, great player. From high school till today, he's never called a play. He'll do the checkoffs uh, 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 of Brady. And and I'm saying, you mean to tell me that Brady isn't smart enough to call his own plays? He certainly is. I would think so. I would hope so. There's a guy here who who now makes $1.5 million, Josh McDaniels, that calls every play. And I'm saying to myself, I mean, you mean to tell me that Brady isn't smart enough? You mean to tell me after three years that Patrick Mahomes isn't smart enough to call his own plays? Drew Brees, people, you know, Deshaun Watson, you name them, they can't call their own plays? I find that incredible.
2: Well, the one thing that's missing, I know, on offense, there's not enough repetition of plays that during a game were successful. You know, there's so many plays, but I, I, I really know that the repetition on plays, say in the beginning of a game that had been successful, say the first half, whatever, and then all of a sudden you're watching games, you're like, well, how come they don't run that play again? And that's one of the things I know with offenses now. The repetition is very minimal, you know, you but the teams that do the repetition stuff, or the teams that seem to have more success.
3: I, I will tell you what. Just a a, a quick story. Uh, and I know Steve's got a, a, a question to follow up on this. Quick story on why I think the quarterbacks to even today should be able to call at least partially their own plays. Nineteen sixty eight. This is Willie. The year before, when we lose to the Jets, I'm with the Colts, and I remember riding on the team bus uh, to the stadium before the game. And Jimmy Orr's sitting right next to me, and Earl Morrill's a few, a few uh, seats down. And Jimmy Orr says, "I hope, I hope Earl Morrill doesn't wake up today." He <laughs> said, "What do you mean?" He said, "I just hope, you know, that, that it's the way it's been in the past." He said, "But I'm suspicious." Well, Earl Morrill didn't wake up. In the first half, and and the key play That's in the all. game, talking about yep yeah. yeah, mi- missing Jimmy Orr in the end zone, and of course yeah. Namath comes out in the second
1: half. I just have one last uh, question. The teams couldn't be less alike. I mean, from the owners, uh, Lamar Hunt, a conservative, quiet guy to Al Davis. We've talked about that. Stram, you know, a a definite disciplinarian. I always remember watching those games when they started. All the Chiefs were on their particular yard line where they're supposed to stand in the National Anthem, and the Raiders were all walking around. (laughs) So, you know, Madden, Stram, two different guys. Just the fans were different, Everything. Would you guys have liked to have played on the other team? I mean, what, what do you think Blitnikoff, you know, Fred, it would have been like playing on uh, on the Chiefs? Then I want to get kind of on Willie's take for on Hank? playing for the Raiders. Yeah, playing
2: I would have loved to play for Hank. You know, I, just real quick, you know, I, I had a chance to really visit with him one one year when we were playing an exhibition game over in, over in London. And uh, I think it was, no, no, it might have been over in uh, Spain or whatever. And Hank and his wife... Uh, that's when I was coaching Hank and his wife were sitting right in front of Aunt, my wife, Angela, and I, and I'm going, oh man, you know, I've, I've met Hank, all the stuff before. I never had to visit with him that much. I had the opportunity to visit with him like that. That was probably the most enjoyable flight i made to Europe because I'll tell you what, he was unbelievable to be around. I would have loved to play for the guy. It would have been unbelievable. <laughs> unbelievable.
1: And Willie, uh, what about playing for Madden? It sounds like you had along great with him too. Well,
2: John had
0: the quality, I would say, and I would see them, unfortunately, I say this fair because sometimes y'all would lose the championship game and not get to the Super Bowl, so the losers of the game would play or coach the Pro Bowl. So I had a chance to get to know John in Pro Bowls, and he was one that would be very interested in you, not just because you played the game, but being the whole person yep. that you yeah. are. And that was the kind of guy he was. And I know I didn't really have a lot of interest in possibly coaching uh, at all because there weren't any African American coaches in Kansas City in Harley 10 or 12 in the whole league when I stopped playing. But John Madden would have been a guy that I would have had interest in that. I never said anything because we just had a quality relationship. At one time when he was riding the bus into Canton, Ohio, that I might try to ride the bus back to California with him, which would have been a hell of a life journey. <laughs> it would have been a hell of I a, think about, it Fred, a, hell of a trip. think about that. Think about yeah. that as a trip that you could put on your bucket list and say, ain't oh, this Here." I mean, I mean, just imagine, the same way we're on the phone today. This is wonderful, all right, because it is. Yeah. And up to yeah, that, I ask you this question, Upton, how old are you, Upton?
3: 83.
0: Um, all right. And I'm you're 75. Up, Fred, you, <laughs> Fred, you're 77, 78? What?
2: 78, 78. Okay, yeah. all
0: right. And we all here are able to appreciate the whole thing. I mean, this has been in- incredible. So, yeah, just is. And <laughs> finishing that <laughs> in terms of, of John and yeah. the relationships and how you were all people first before you yep. competed against each other, but you competed from a quality standpoint, and you would call down guys who really tried to hurt the other guy. I mean, Ben Davis yeah. and I'll do this with he and Dawson. He didn't really try to hurt Dawson. Because nah. if he had tried to hurt Dawson, he wouldn't have been trying to do a rotation. He would have just drive in with a shot. Is that right, Fred? Exactly. No, you're right. Yeah. You're right. Yeah. yeah was, he really wanted to hurt like him. It was like all show.
2: Right. It was right. like if he all show.
0: He really show. wanted to hurt him. He, yeah. just, he would have just come in like a missile and just and and thump. But he didn't yeah. do that. He was in a rotation nah. and you know all the yeah. rest of it was what it was.
1: Yeah. Well, I got to ask you guys, because I, I, I was a I, kid watching that, and we and the fans, we all hated Kansas City, you know. And at the time, I remember even in the the magazine they had that you'd buy. I remember getting that, and all the kids, kids of like Willie Brown's kid and Lynn Dawson's kid, and all we're talking about different things. And the one thing I always remember it is Lynn Dawson's child said, "He goes, uh, the only team that really cheats in football are the Oakland Raiders." So I go, so I wondered, well, of did that he, what <laughs> the hell. <laughs> yeah, that's a compliment. But 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 did the, did the guys really like, you know, like? Did they hate each other, or was it just something like? It almost sounds like you guys looked forward to it in the sense that you know this this was going to decide the division.
2: When you wanted, you know what? When you wanted to compete against people that were also competitors and had such a pride to win, that's what it was all about. To me anyway, when you when you well, listen when you want to go on a field, you want to play against the best people, no matter no matter like Kansas City to us to me was always the best people to play against to me, they were the measuring stick because mm-hmm. they could do everything, and their defense stood out for them, and that that was the thing that I enjoyed about it because. You know, when you go and Willie's played against people, you know it's like they're, they're going to compete for a while, but then you know, it gets to be a little mediocre or whatever. But when you play against, you want to play against people that want to go wire to wire with you. Wire to wire with you. And, that, and that's it. And sure, you know what? Off season, off season is when you always saw guys and it was a whole different deal during the season. That's a whole different deal. But that's how I felt. You know, that's how I felt about Kansas City. I mean that's what I Kansas City I me mean, was the measuring stick all the time. That was it. To me and that's the Hank, honest the
0: truth. Hank would get a little bit anxious at times because of the the, the rivalry because he would. So we playing in Oakland and I'm the defensive captain. I'm going to call the corn toss, whatever, and Hank comes up to me before the game says, Will Will, come, here, come on, got something got something to say to you. Tell you, yes, sir, what is it? <laughs> He says, uh, if we win the coin toss, uh, we should kick off. <laughs> I said, do what? We've never done this. We should kick off. <laughs> I said, Hey, we need the ball to score. He said, oh, listen to me. Listen to me. I said, yes, sir. What is it? He said, we've got the best defense in football, right? Uh, what the f*** am I going to say? Yeah, okay. Yeah. <laughs> we've got the best field goal kicker in football, right? Okay. We win the toss, we kick off, we hold them. Jansky only needs 10 yards. He's in field goal position, and we can start a game with a score. I go, well, I'll be down. I said, sign. I'm in. All right? So I go back to the sideline and told the guys, okay, guys, understand something. This is the f-ing game. The game is going to rest on the first possession. All right? Because if we win the toss, we're going to kick that sandwich off. If those drive on us, it's over. Because that's the whole gambit. All right. So I go out to the middle of the field, whoever the other captains are with me, there's Upshaw, there's LaMonica, they're the captains. The, the, the official flicks the call, and I call heads. And he said, heads it is. And I said, and I pivoted as I stepped back, we will take that goal. And you should have seen the eyes on Gene and the other guys Fred. <laughs> who are out there for the contest? It's like you saw bitches gonna come in here to us, and y'all <laughs> going to say we gonna take defend, and you can have the ball first. Yeah, yeah so that's what that's we it. said. So, so yeah. what happened is that we kicked off to them, and then it's uh, it's it's third and four, and we are able to hold them, and we hold them, and now I'm thinking that if we get the ball near midfield, Yon, while we need 10 yards, field goal position, we might be in this thing. So what happens is that we had forgot to tell Podolak, the punt returner, that we don't need any yards, just take a knee. We didn't do that, Fred. Hello? All right? So the ball is kicked, Podolak catches the damn ball, doesn't take a knee, fumbles the ball and now we are back on the oh. field with you all at our 30 yard line Hi. so I come back to defense okay man we conceded to three we can't give up to seven and we lost by three hello oh,
2: <laughs> oh it's crazy
3: with Willie particularly Christmas Day 1971 Dolphins and the Kansas City Chiefs. Probably the greatest football game I've ever seen. Uh, forget, I was at the '58 Sudden Death game. I've been to everything since 1942.
1: That wow. game,
3: incredible. I, w- I wonder if you could talk a little bit about what I consider the greatest game I've ever seen.
0: Well, unfortunately, at times, Jan Stenerud takes more of a hit than he should have in that game because he, it said, missed three field goals. He didn't miss three. He had one block by Mumford in the first uh, overtime period. And the only one he really missed was that interregulation. We say to him, you need to take the call for that one. But the game was one that we had dominance and a better team than the Dolphins and the temperature was a little bit warm on Christmas Day. It was 65, 64, 65 degrees. They weren't really in the game, but they were staying close enough for it to get to the point where ultimately there was a tie and they were able to win in overtime. But what happened is that in the first quarter, second quarter, we were here 10-7, and all we needed were was to add points, 10-7, 13 7, getting to the halftime with a lead and all of that. But with a field goal attempt at our 22 yard line heading in toward the stadium, um, Coach Stram had called a play that unfortunately he didn't own up to this particular play, and it then affected him and his career in Kansas City. So what happened was that Jan Stennerud missed a 22 yard field goal. No, he didn't miss. Yeah, he missed a 22-yard field goal, and he missed it because he was not properly prepared to kick it. And what I mean by that is that I went to the Pro Bowl that next month, and out in California, one of the coaches for the team that coaching our team said to me, Willie, we were watching films of your last game, which we didn't see since we lost it. And he said that on that field goal attempt by Yon in the first quarter, in the second quarter. It looked like the offensive guards both pulled as if though he was going to run the ball. He was going to do what? As if though he was going to run the ball. So Bobby Bell was the long snapper, short snapper. And I go to Bobby and say, Bobby, what the hell happened? Somebody's telling me that they saw both of the guards pull. He said, well, that's what it was supposed to do. What do you mean it's supposed to do? He said the play was designed to not snap the ball to Dawson. To have it snapped directly to Yon Stenerud, we'd never done it before. If it's a game that you're behind by four late in the game, well, yeah. But we were just trying to add points, increase the margin. So what? So what happened is that Stenerud is standing there, not wanting to be looking at Bobby's ass, instead looking at the spot where he <laughs> kicked the damn ball. So Bobby knows the clock is running, does want to delay a game. Dawson is is there in his position to catch the ball, but he expects no damn ball. So Bobby thinks that the clock is run. Don't want to get a penalty. He snaps it to Dawson. Dawson quickly adjusts, puts it down. Stinnett had his weight potentially distributed to take a step to the right. He was going to catch it and run. Now he has to make a quick adjustment, and he kicks it. But he pulls it right by about five, six inches. That was oh, the game. God. All right. Oh man. That was the game. He never knew that. that. That was the game that Hank did not accept responsibility. And once the guys knew it, they stopped playing for him. No, that's what happened. They stopped playing for him. So you son of a bitch. You let Jan take that whole thing, and then I have to speak about Polak again. Polak didn't didn't have punts punch well. Because what happened is that after after he missed that field goal, Miami gets the ball. We hold him. The ball is kicked to Polak again. He fumbles the damn thing again. So they were able to then be in field goal position. They tied the game 10-10 at a time that they should be at least six points behind. And then we came down to that game in the tied, and we lost the damn thing.
3: Never knew that story. Yeah. Never knew yeah. it. Amazing well, yeah, because
0: story. that was one that Hank Hank tried to cover. it. Hank was like a politician. You know all the stuff going on oh, yeah. that we see on television <laughs> every day now? <laughs> I mean, this is yeah. beyond comprehension. All right, so so Hank was trying to do the same thing. <laughs> oh God! Yeah, back then, back then, trying to control that story. So,
1: Yep. Yeah. Well, you guys are great. I got to tell you, that was one of the most what? fun interviews I've ever done. Thank you both. That was and Upton. Those always okay. thank you too. Man. Great stuff.
2: Steve, thanks a lot. Upton, thanks, I, and I, Willie. I'll see you in yeah. a few weeks or so. Hi.
0: Yes, sir. Look forward to it. Upton, great hearing yeah. you and talking to you and. Having that history as yeah. well. Oh.